0: Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for every woman in this room. Lord, I ask that you would use this talk to speak to each person here. Help me to say only that which you want me to say. And may this be for your glory and for your kingdom. And I ask this in your name, amen. Okay, so little Johnny really wanted a bicycle, but he had a problem. He hadn't been a very good little boy. And his mum said, I don't know about that, Johnny. You better pray about it. So he tried praying, but that didn't work very well. So he he thought he'd write a letter. So his letter started, Dear Jesus, I have been a really good little boy. I deserve a bicycle. He thought, nah, Jesus would see through that one. So he tried again. Dear Jesus, I'm not perfect, but nobody's perfect. And I think a bicycle would really encourage me didn't have what it needed. Then he had a brainwave. He got up from his table, he ran downstairs, ran down the street, and at the bottom of the street, there was a church. He went into the church, down the aisle, and at the end of the aisle, there was the altar and a statue of the Virgin Mary. So Johnny went up to the statue, looked around, nobody there, he picked the statue up, ran all the way back to his house, put the statue down on his table, took out another sheet of paper. Dear Jesus, I got your mum! If you want a back, give me a bicycle. (laughs) So so often in life, I find I'm like little Johnny. I say, if only I could have X, then I'd be happy. Then life would be complete. Sometimes it's as small as getting a room tidied up. Sometimes it's, you know, when I was growing up, I could have my favorite, my Ideal birthday present, a yellow rubber dinghy. And I got one, and it was wonderful for a few weeks. But then there's always something else, and there's always something missing. Jesus said, the thief comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Or as some versions say, to enjoy abundant, overflowing, Everlasting life. And I would imagine that's what deep down all of us want, right? Well, today I'm going to talk about how I have learned to enjoy life in all its fullness. And I've found that the key to that life is Jesus. Now, I know when I say that, some of you are thinking, ah, oh, Jesus, and tuning out, playing with your pipe cleaners. And that's fine, feel free to do that partly why you have them some of you are saying well tell me something new I know that and some of you are saying well quite honestly with what with trying to work a full-time job raise three kids being sleep deprived and all the ice cream is gone I can't say that I'm living life in all its fullness but I think there are three keys to this life to Jesus It's first we have to believe. We have to believe in who he is and what he's done for us. Then we have to listen to him. And finally, we have to trust where he leads us. BLT, like the sandwich. (laughs) Is that there? Yes. Okay. (laughs) But this isn't easy, easy as it sounds, because as Jesus says, there's a thief. And we'll talk about him more later. But before I begin to share my spiritual journey with you, I want to give you a few minutes to reflect on your spiritual journeys. Now I know this can be a very intimidating question and part of this talk is all about doing things that aren't very comfortable so bear with me but uh, I've given you you should have these four pipe cleaners and what I want you to do right now is um, take these pipe cleaners and make four shapes or symbols that represent steps in your spiritual journey. Now you may say well, I don't believe in God, or I'm not sure about God. And that's okay, because you can just design the steps or symbols that brought you to the place you're at now. Okay, so have a go. I'm giving you a few minutes. Okay, I'm gonna stop you now. You can, uh, you can carry on afterwards if you like. So how was that? Hopefully it was fun and not too much Brad. But uh, I love hearing people's spiritual journeys. They're all so different. And you get to know people on a whole new level. I used to think I didn't have much of a story. You know, you hear people who say, I was, uh, I was a drug dealer. Then I met Jesus, and now I'm a pastor. Well, that's not my story. And I, Because I didn't have a story like that, I thought I didn't really have a story. Because my story is much more complicated and circular and it's... Anyway. Um, but I think it's worth taking time to hone our stories so that you can share when someone asks you a question. So how did you get to where you are now? You can answer it in about 90 seconds that I gave you right now. So if that was tough, go home and try, practice. and uh, you might find... I find the pipe cleaner thing helpful. So here's my story. Told with four pipe cleaners. Should be up here. There's, they, they're here, but you can see them better on the screen. So there's a teddy bear, a Bible, a cross, and a windsurfer. And the first three of those, the teddy bear, the Bible, and the cross, relate to the bacon part of the sandwich. Believing who Jesus is <laughs> and what he has done for us. Doesn't that bacon look good? So first, the teddy bear. I thought my teddy bear's quite cute. Uh, (laughs) This represents how I saw God as a child. You know, he was there when I needed him, when I had a crisis, like I'd forgotten my homework or I'd lost something. But most of the time, he was forgotten, like my teddy bear, under the bed, gathering dust. My parents took us to church sometimes, but I found church pretty boring and quite honestly irrelevant to most of my life. I believed in God, but I wasn't sure about Jesus. To me, Jesus was just some guy who lived and died 2,000 years ago. Then when I was a teenager at school, a friend invited me to a Bible study, and I went along. And This leads to my second symbol, a Bible, not quite as good as my tent. <laughs> I went along to that group, and to my surprise, I quite enjoyed it. And for the first time, I met people who claimed to have become Christians. And as I went to that group, I started to wonder, well, am I a Christian? Do I need to be converted like them? What makes someone a Christian? Because before then, I think I thought you were kind of born a Christian, like I was born British. So I started reading the Bible, particularly the Gospels. That's the stories of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I was surprised by how they rang true. I read them with an open mind, kind of like I would look at historical evidence. I love history. I studied history at college. And so that's how I read the Bible. And what surprised me is how true they sounded. They didn't read like stories people were making up or like myths. And I was surprised by what I read about Jesus. There's something incredibly attractive about Jesus. And if you've never read the Gospels, or not read them recently, I'd encourage you just to give it a go. Read them with an open mind, and see what strikes you about Jesus. But Jesus also said some things that are really difficult. And he said things that sounded kind of crazy, like, I am the light of the world, or I am the bread of life. And I realized as I read it that Jesus doesn't just claim to be the Son of God, he claims to be God. And C.S. Lewis says that leaves us with three alternatives. Either he was the greatest con man who's ever lived, in that he's deceived more people than anybody else. Or he was mad. And quite honestly, we do tend to lock up the people who say the kind of things that Jesus said. Or it leaves us with a third alternative. He was who he claimed to be. And... That's where I landed. I I came to the view that he was a man whose identity is God. And that if he was God, what he says has to be true. So I tried putting into practice what I read. And I remember one day I I came across this verse where Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I tell you, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So I thought, okay, that's it. I have to be perfect. All right. I try really hard. I think it lasted about half a morning and then I was fighting with my brother. You see, at this point, I still thought being a Christian was all about what I had to do. And I grew up with a family motto that if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. So I thought, okay, that's what I just have to try harder. But all that did was make me realize how far short I fell. The more I read the the Gospels particularly, the more I realized how I didn't do what Jesus said. And this brings me to my third symbol, a cross. I heard preachers say, Jesus died for your sins, but I didn't get it. What did his death have to do with my sins? How did his death 2,000 years ago make a difference to me today? Well, I think at this point, I did understand that to come into God's presence meant to come into the truth of who I was. what i had done that there was no hiding i just ask you to think about this for a minute imagine coming into the presence of someone who knows everything about you everything you've ever thought said or done i mean it's bad enough to be physically naked before someone imagine being inwardly naked as well and i knew that before such a being that i was I was frequently greedy. I succumbed to pride. That I might look okay on the outside, but inside I could be boastful, competitive. And above all, nothing ever satisfied me the long. There always seemed to be something missing. And that's what helped me understand why Jesus had to die. That I could never be good enough, clean enough, I needed someone to cover me. I needed someone to come between me and a holy God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, being a Christian wasn't about what I had to do. It was all about what Jesus had done, for me on the cross. All I had to do was accept it, believe it. Receive his forgiveness and trust him. And if, if you're here today and you're thinking, this whole Christian thing, going, it's all about going to church or you know, being a Republican or voting for Donald Trump, it's got nothing to do with any of that. It's all about Jesus. And it's only about Jesus. So if you're not sure about Jesus, why not take the time to find out and check him out? Because for me, that realization changed everything. Instead of trying to earn God's acceptance and approval, I received his love and forgiveness. And as I realized how much he loved and forgave me, I realized I had to love other people. You know, we love because we've been loved. And when you know how much God loves you, you want to love others. Not to, to somehow win brownie points or be accepted, but because you, you, love, you know you're loved and you want to share that with You know, I used to, as I said, fight with my brother all the time, and he would just do those things that were really annoying, but I knew that I had to forgive him, and what I found was that if I focused on what he'd done, it seemed impossible to forgive him, but if I focused instead on how much Jesus had forgiven me, then I knew I had to forgive him, and over time, our relationship got much better, and now we're good friends. So believing who Jesus is and what he has done for us is the foundation of the life in all its fullness. But it's just the bacon in the sandwich. We also need to listen and trust him. But we have a problem trying to listen to Jesus, because we and and trying to follow Jesus because we can't see him and we can't hear him. I used to think it's so much easier for the disciples. I mean, if Jesus was there, they could just follow him like this. They knew whether they were following him or not. Not so easy for us. But we have his spirit because when we pray, when we ask Jesus into our lives, he comes into our lives by his spirit. And it's through listening to his spirit that we learn we can listen to him. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. So he defined his followers as ones who listen to him. So how do we do that? Well, as I said, primarily it's through listening to the Holy Spirit. But also through reading and meditating on scripture, which I try to do every day. And I find that's how God speaks. But also, it's it's great to have other people to, to, to be in a small group or to share things with. But most of all, I want to speak about the Holy Spirit, because that's the part that's a bit mysterious. Uh, And that leads me to my next symbol, a windsurfer. I love windsurfing. Skimming across the sparkling water with the wind in my sails, it's one of the funniest things to do. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. <clears throat> I think learning to windsurf is a bit like learning to live in the Holy Spirit. You see, initially, when people are starting to windsurf, they fall in the water a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen people learning to windsurf, but what happens is they get up on their board, they hold their sun, they, they wobble around, and they're there for about 10 seconds, and then they fall in. And then they get up, and they haul up their sail, and it's hard work because the sail's heavy. They stand up, they start, and they go, ooh, over they go again. And that happens over and over. Most people give up windsurfing at that point. You have to learn how to respond to the wind. And when I'm windsurfing, every part of my body is in tune with the wind, from my fingertips to my toes. The wind is constantly changing. It's constantly changing direction and changing power. And you have to, as a windsurfer, you have to adjust, constantly moving to adjust to the wind. And sometimes the wind is so powerful, it's scary. And other times I've gone windsurfing, lured by the promise of the branches moving, only to get out on the lake and the wind dies completely. And all I can do is wait and pray desperately. For God to send more wind. <laughs> and when I'm windsurfing and there is no wind, sometimes I'm tempted to try and create wind, like this. Just go like this with your sail. <laughs> and it never works very well. Usually ends up going backwards. I find that's true in life too, that trying to make things happen in our own steam doesn't really work very well. But waiting on God is hard. It's one of the hardest things I think God asks us to do. As some of you know, last summer I fell off my windsurfer and I ended up with a brain bleed and in CCU for a couple of nights. And for a few weeks after that, I could literally do nothing because I couldn't read. Uh, so I, wasn't, I couldn't read, I couldn't use screens. All I could do was really lie on the couch uh, doing nothing. And if you know me, you know that is really hard. And I just wanna say that I wanna take a m- moment to say, Thank you to all of you who are praying for me. Thank you to all of you who are praying for me right now, because I can feel your prayers and have been praying for me all week. But those prayers made a huge difference because I just had an incredible sense of peace throughout that time. And as I said, the amazing thing was I was quite happy doing nothing, which for some of you maybe be you, no big deal, but for me was a huge deal. And I also believe God's healed me completely. So thank you for praying like God answered your prayers. So listening to the Holy Spirit and letting him lead you is, I think, like learning to windsurf in that it takes time and lots of falls and getting up again. But it's also a bit like dancing with a partner, which is why the worship team indulged me in singing that song that we sang earlier. When David and I are dancing, he always says, let me lead you. And I find that really hard. (laughs) Because it's hard to let someone else lead you. Because I know best. (laughs) And honestly, I think I'm a better dancer. (laughs) Well, to dance well, you have to listen to the music. And you have to be in time with the music. And you have to let your partner lead you. It's step by step, moment by moment. The other day I was reflecting on this and I sensed Jesus saying to me, You know, when you're running late, something that happens a lot, if you know me, you're not letting me lead you because I am always on time and in time. If you're in step with me, you will be in time and on time too. Ouch, I've got a long way to go. (laughs) A friend of mine wrote a song that I'd like to share with you and I'd like to invite you just to listen to the words you might want to shut your eyes and just sense that this is Jesus singing to you.
1: There are times in my life when I feel so alone and so long.
0: and letting him lead us by his spirit is the second key to finding life in all its fullness. Like a dance, we have to listen every step of the way, moment by moment. But that's hard. Partly it's hard, because I just said it's hard to let someone else lead you. But it's also hard because there are other voices. If you look back at the verse I quoted at the beginning, you'll see Jesus begins with, the thief comes only in order to steal kill and destroy. There is a thief, and he's come to rob us of our joy. The Bible says we are made in God's image, and now I know that when this thief looks into our eyes, he sees God, and he hates what he sees. He will do anything to destroy Jesus' promise of life in all its fullness. This thief has many names. Jesus called him the prince of this world, the father of lies, the enemy the devil, or Satan, among others. There's a game we play uh, at the Alpha course that I lead at the prison in Salisbury, where we go twice a week. And I'll invite a woman to volunteer to come out and be blindfolded. And the rest of the women and the team create an obstacle course using the chairs in the room to, and leaving a path between uh, the two doors. And I'll bring, lead, bring the blindfolded woman back in, and try and guide her with my voice through this obstacle course. The other women, meanwhile, are trying to get her to go in the wrong way. So they're all shouting at her to go, inviting her to go the wrong way. And uh, sometimes the woman can't hear what I'm saying, and sometimes she doesn't trust me, so she ends up going in the wrong way. This game illustrates what we all experience on a daily basis. There are voices in our heads. And no, we're not mad. This is part of what it means to be human. The thief majors in distraction, doubt, deception, denial, dread, and ultimately destruction. Notice they all begin with D, like double. He's bad news. He's so deceptive. Most of the time, we never know he's there. And we blame ourselves for the thoughts that he plants in our heads. He majors in lies. He lies about what will fulfill us. What you really need right now Is a bar of (laughs) chocolate. He lies about the consequences. Oh, you can have just one piece. No, it won't do you any harm. No one need know. But I find those lies I can spot. The most powerful lies are the ones that have to do with my destiny and my sense of value. When I was younger, I decided that when I grew up, I would learn Russian and smuggle Bibles behind the Iron Curtain, uh, due to reading a book on that subject. Around the same time, I also decided that I would follow in my father's footsteps and become a British politician when I got older. The one thing I would not be was a stay-at-home mum with three children like my own mother. Well, God had other ideas. The problem with my plans is that they were just that. They were my plans. And they all revolved around me. My desire to become a politician didn't come from a place of wanting to correct injustice or serve people. It came from a desire to become someone special. So that dream had to die through a long and painful process, not least coming to this country. It's a bit hard to be a British politician when you live in America. (laughs) And like the song we sang at the beginning, I had to let go of all I once held dear. But an even deeper lie related to my sense of value. See, I believed my value lay in what I could do and what I could achieve. And when we moved to the United States, I became a stay-at-home mom with a kindergartner and a preschooler in a foreign country where I knew no one and I had no role outside the house. And I became vulnerable to the lie that I didn't, that because my value lay in what I achieved and I wasn't clearly achieving very much in the world's eyes, I didn't have any value. And I even believed the lie that I was not a very good mum. As my children would tell you, I stunk at the whole discipline thing. <laughs> but I wanted to say to any mums out there if you believe this lie, it is a lie that you're not a very good mum. I want you to hear this. You are the best mum that your children could have because you are the mother that God chose for your children. So don't believe, don't give that lie any time at all. But for me, I, I I started meeting with a spiritual director at that time and she helped me see that these were lies and that I needed to recognize them and repent of agreeing with faith and choose instead to believe what God said about me, that I was his daughter whom he loved, with whom he was well pleased, and that I was infinitely valuable because I was worth dying. And this brings me to the third step, the tomato in the sandwich. Notice I said tomato. (laughs) Trust. You see, listening by itself is not enough. We can listen to sermons and read the Bible and listen to talks like this one, but if we don't do anything as a result of what we hear or read, if we don't act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit, nothing will change. We won't experience this life in all its fullness. We have to trust Jesus and we have to step out in faith. I remember one particular day after we moved here when I had set a goal to paint a room when my two and a half year old was in preschool. And I started painting the room and I got about half, and oh, first of all, there was wallpaper and I tried to scrape the wallpaper off and I started taking off big chunks of wall. So I gave that up (laughs) and I, I said instead I started painting the wall uh, on top of the wallpaper. And I got about halfway around the room and these huge bubbles appeared in the paint. And at that point, I lost it. I burst into tears. It was just, my mum was coming that night from the UK. I wanted to get this room done. I only had this little window of time to do it. And I went outside. And I looked up in the sky, it was beautiful blue sky. And I looked at the leaves in the trees and they were in these incredible colors because it, in, it was full. And I sensed God saying to me, Look how beautifully I've made these leaves. Don't you trust that I'm your heavenly father and I will help you? And shortly after that, one of the few friends we had who was in construction came right and he looked at my huge bubbles and he said, Oh, I think it'll be okay. Those will go down. It'll be fine. And sure enough, 20 years later, we still have that same paint in our living room. (laughs) Still looks pretty good. Life being led by the Holy Spirit is an adventure. It's risky because the Holy Spirit invites us to do things that aren't comfortable. And we have to let go of the need to be in control. But he enables us to do things we could never do on our own. One time I was driving down, I was driving along 495 and I, this thought came into my head that I should visit a friend I hadn't seen for months. And my immediate reaction was, well, I'll wait till I get home and I can call her. Um, maybe I'll do it later. But the thought was pretty persistent that I need to go right there. And I remember approaching the exit and thinking, okay, do I drive on, do I go off? And I thought, all right, I'm going to go with it. And I went, went and, and visited her. Ten minutes after I arrived, her father died. And we both sensed that it was God that wanted me there to pray with them and to be with them. And that's the kind of life, the kind of adventure that the Holy Spirit as for all of us, if we're willing to trust Him and go with it, we also have to be willing to join Jesus in His mission. He said He came to seek and save the lost, and He commissioned us to make disciples. He passed on His mission to us. And I used to struggle with this a lot. I still do sometimes. You know, it's okay to talk about God, not so much about Jesus. And I used to feel very uncomfortable talking about Jesus with people who didn't believe in him. And my attempts to make disciples got nowhere. I sensed I was miss- but I sensed I was missing something about following him. The problem was I kept falling back into the trap of thinking it was all about me, that it was my job to somehow convert people. And most people, if they feel you're out to convert them, run a mile. But that changed when uh, we were still in the UK and somebody invited us to lead an agnostics anonymous group. This guy had developed this material. It was for agnostics to examine evidence for the Christian faith. And he had a group of people who wanted to do it, but he couldn't do it. So he asked David and I who would do it. And with a lot of trepidation, we called up these six people we didn't know and invited them to tea. And they came to tea. And we explained what this Agnostics Anonymous course would be about. And to our amazement, they said they'd all like to do it. Well, that course was really transformative for me because I got to see that it, wasn't, it really wasn't about me. It was all about just providing a place for these people to come explore faith for themselves. And they, uh, the first week, two of them came to Faith in Christ. Nothing to do with our group, quite separately, but still pretty cool. Uh, And the end of the group, one of the other guys said, um, when we asked him what he wanted to do next, he said, well, I think I want to get baptized. And seeing people come to faith in Christ and then helping them grow in that faith is by far the most satisfying and fulfilling thing I have ever done. It's far better than being a British politician, I can tell you. (laughs) And it brings me great joy. And it's why I've been leading Alpha courses ever since. I feel like my role is to be like a spiritual midwife, assisting in the birth, but having nothing to do with causing that birth to happen. The joy of seeing people come come to faith and put their trust in Jesus is like the joy you experience when you have a new baby. And it's really when I experience life in all its forms. So how can you experience this life? Well, first, you have to believe that he is fully God, fully man, and that he died in order that we might have life in all its fullness, now and eternally. Then we have to listen to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit lead us step by step, as in a dance. And we have to trust him and follow him. And we have to tune out all the other voices so that we can hear what he's saying and follow him. We're, I'm going to, the worship group is going to come up in a few minutes, well, in a minute or two, and uh, they're going to sing the song, Oceans. But I have one last story (laughs) Uh, before that, they do that. When we came here, as I said, it wasn't easy, and on top of the other things that were difficult, when we got here, David told me that the job we had moved for no longer existed, and I also discovered that they had misstamped my passport, so I was only supposed to be here for one day. <laughs> <laughs> and every night at that time, Mariana, who was two and a half, would demand that I would read the story from, of Jesus walking on the water and then inviting Peter to join him in her toddler Bible. And God used that toddler Bible story to get through to me that so long as I kept my eyes on him, on Jesus, I'd be okay. But as soon as I started looking at the what ifs, what if David doesn't get a job? What if they deport me? What if we never make any friends here? Then I would sink. But Jesus was always there to rescue and lift me up. So as you sing, listen, as the worship team sing this song, Oceans, that is based on that same Bible story that I read in my toddler's Bible, daughter's toddler Bible, I believe God is inviting every one of us to listen and to step out in faith and trust him. So as you sing this song, will you listen? Will you trust yourself to Jesus? Will you stay where it feels safe, but miss out on the adventure that God has for you, life in all its fullness? And at the end of this song, they're gonna play some music, just instrumental music. And this is a chance for you just to listen, because it's so noisy and there's so many distractions out there. Just take a few minutes and listen. To the step, what step is God inviting you to take? Is your next step.